Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you felt that short form online for us as a way of saying thank you, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. We're in our third part of this teaching series called Those People Just in Time for the Holidays. In case you're watching or listening here at a later date, that's when we're, we're taping this. How do you love difficult people? The kind of people who, you know, just kind of suck the life out of you. We started off learning how we can love manipulators, those people who like to control us. And then last week, we faced the critics, learning how to love those people who never have anything good to say about anything or anybody for that matter. Next week, we're going to wrap up with the hypocrite. Those are the guys who live by this mantra of do as I say, not as I do. Nobody likes a hypocrite, right? (laughs) But for today, we're going to shift our focus to those people who are just overly, you know, needy. That's the better way to put it, right? Just overly needy. These are people that we care about, but they always need more than what we're actually able to give them. And every group, in every organization, every family, every team, there's at least one needy person. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, one of them is always crazy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It doesn't say that. Maybe in 2 Hezekiah 14, but you know, that's, that's not a real book. Okay, listen, for real. There's always that crazy person, though. We can almost take it to the bank in some family, some group, some office, some team. So how do we love and care for those who are hurting, need a little extra attention, and are always in need of help? It's really challenging, right? Because, you know, you know, when you see that person come your way, you know the conversation that's going to take place. You know that they're going to dominate the talk. You know they're going to, you know, to tell the same kind of story or something like it. And sometimes they'll go really negative, but they're always going to be the victim, right? Always going to be the victim. And so when do you have something to give? You know, you, you kind of do it out of, out of kindness for sure, but it's often not enough for them. You, you give and they want more, don't they? This is the person who could be a relative you love, but lives alone and just needs support. It could be a friend who needs money, and this time it's just a little bit more, which is exactly what they told you last time, right? Or maybe it's the insecure person in the office who's always fishing for compliments. Do you like this? Did I do a good job here? You know, they always need more. It's just, it's real complicated, isn't it? And as Christ followers, we really care about these people. We want to help, but whatever we do, it's never enough. And then we start to pull back, and we feel guilty when we pull back, right? And we feel like we're, we're not showing enough grace, and we're not loving enough, we're not doing what we believe Jesus would do. Uh, is that, that familiar to anybody right now? It just kind of makes sense. Is this maybe similar to what you're walking through or feeling? We want to help, but if we help in the wrong way, here's the reality. We become enablers, or it actually ends up hurting that other person. So how do we love those who are always in need without hurting them? This might even be more important given the time of year that we're in with the holidays holiday season approaching. If you're watching or listening right now, that's, that's the season we're in. Thanksgiving's actually next week. How do we love needy people without hurting them or becoming 
enablers. That's what we're going to break down here today. And first, we're going to look at this important key. You have to give strategically. Give strategically. We want to give strategically and help strategically because most of the time when we help many people, yeah, we do it impulsively, don't we? And the reason for that is we give according to our emotions. So we see a need and because we care, we just react. We do what makes us feel good because, hey, when we help somebody in need, what does it do? It engages our emotions in a very powerful way. And so you feel relief. You feel like you made a difference. And best of all, you don't feel guilty. Yeah, that feeling of guilt is what drives our emotions to give impulsively. But we don't want to do that, right? We want to be strategic. We want to pray about it. Think of different scenarios. Don't just give in to your emotions at the moment. There's, there's a great example of giving strategically, by the way, in the book of Acts. Peter and John are walking into the temple, and they see a guy who's begging outside of, of the gate. I want you to look at Acts chapter 3, verse number 2. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. And each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he did what he always did, right? He asked them for some money. Now, there's not special programs to help someone who's disabled in the first century like this guy. You know, if you can't walk and he was lame, you beg for a living. It's what you do. But the principle behind all of this uh, that was, is timeless. So this guy knew that, you know, if you ask long enough, if you're consistent and persistent, what do people do? Well, they'll eventually respond emotionally and give you what you're asking for, even if you uh, know that what you're, you're giving isn't what that person really needs, right? So this guy learned if he were allowed on other people, he could make it. Others carried him to the gate. Others gave him money. Others would make sure that he could just, you know, he could make it to the next day. So, you know, why do people give to this guy who was begging? Two reasons. One, again, it relieved their guilt. You know, they give, they don't feel guilty. They feel good about themselves. Remember, impulsive, emotional giving. You want to give strategically, not impulsively. But two, it, it was easy. And we often do what feels easy, don't we? Like, what, what does this guy want? Well, he, he wants money. Well, that's easy. Let's just toss him in some change, feel good about our giving, get a little holy, be satisfied, and kind of walk on in and do our thing. Peter and John come along, though, and they don't respond impulsively. They don't give according to their emotions. Watch this, verse number four. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. But the man wasn't really looking at people. You know, a lot of shame probably covered him. And so the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold to give you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. In verse number seven, Peter took the lame man by the right hand. He helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up and he stood on his feet. He began to walk. And then he was walking and leaping and praising God. He went into the temple with them. What an incredible miracle, right? So Peter and John, they don't give to this guy you know, exactly what he wants. Instead, they give him what he needs. Instead of a handout, they gave him a hand up. Instead of money, they gave him a miracle. It is easy, by the way, to give a handout. But a miracle takes more time. It takes more faith, certainly. It takes more effort, more prayer, more sacrifice. Miracles aren't easy. Handouts feel good, and they're easy, but they can often be what people want instead of giving them a hand up, which is what they need. 
that could give this man what he wanted, or they could give him through the power of God's Holy Spirit more than he ever dreamed of. And that's why we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. God, what do you want me to do? And then give strategically as God leads you. Now, you know, look, a needy person is not always going to roll with this, right? Sometimes the moment you try to give them what they need, uh, they, they resist, right? They say, hey, no, 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 wait, wait a minute. I, I need this. If you cared for me, if you loved me, oh, you'd give me whatever it is. Fill in the blank. Attention, time, money, whatever it is, because that's what they want. But we need to do is to give people what they need, not what they want. Have the wisdom and love to give them what they need, uh, what God is directing you to give. And then, you know, they, they may want 500 bucks, but instead of giving them 500 bucks, what do you do? You help them get a job, right? And help them recognize, hey, their finances, if they're living without some kind of budget, hey, let's organize them and get together and you'll be, you'll be okay. Let's organize that. Help them with valuable and important skills so they aren't repeatedly stuck in the same situation with no way out. When I was first on uh, staff uh, while in seminary, I remember sitting with my pastor, had a benevolence meeting with a person in the church. And, and this person had received help a few times with bills, and I think it was the fourth or fifth time they had come in for help. My pastor, with wisdom and love that I did not understand at the time, I'll be honest, um, you know, because he wasn't cold towards this individual, he said very gently, hey, we can't help you this time. We can help you get your finances together. We can help you get a plan to pay down your debt, to budget, to organize what's coming. But we can't help you pay the bills and continue paying the bills when you don't know what's coming in and what's going out. And at the time, being young and green in my early 20s, I thought, man, this is kind of cold, you know, like this is not the right thing to do. They're a member too, like we should help this person. You know, it's part of the church. But he was right. He was 100% right. To continue helping would have made the church an enabler, and the real problem would not have been solved. Because the real problem was not that this person didn't under well, the real problem was the person did not understand finances, right? And they kept putting themselves in the same hole, hoping someone would bail them out each time, and they couldn't get out on their own. You can't just tell people what they want to hear. You have to use the wisdom that God gives you. There's another guy named, we'll call him Joe, who did a lot of work with my dad while I was growing up. Now, Joe was one of the best carpenters I have ever seen. I mean, every house, every building project my dad had, Joe was on it, and he crushed it, and he could, he, he could do it all. Now, how did my dad find Joe? Well, he saw him on the side of the road with a sign asking for help. Tell me you haven't seen that before. A lot of folks have seen that. The only time my dad's ever stopped for that kind of thing was this one time, and he picked him up, and he bought him lunch, and instead of giving Joe money, he gave Joe a job. That job gave Joe dignity, it gave him opportunity, it provided for his family. That strategic giving right there. Okay, here's the second action you want to take. Serve wisely. Serve wisely. When Jesus cared for people, what did he do? Well, he served selflessly. He loved authentically, sure. He gave generously. He taught faithfully. We can see that. He listened compassionately. He just gave and gave and gave, right? And then he would reconnect with God and recharge spiritually and faithfully serve all over again. This was the rhythm, by the way, which played out over and over throughout his life and ministry. He gives and gives and gives. Then he unplugs to receive from God the Father, who fills his spirit up again. So what? So he can get back out there and keep pouring from a full cup and not an empty one. Someone needs to hear this today because you keep giving on empty. God wants to fill you up. God's filling him back up so he can continue to give. In order for you to keep giving, at some point, 
you got to unplug so God can fill you back up. And it looks like this. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up. And he went out to an isolated place to pray. Now later, Simon and the others went to find him. And when they found him, they said, everybody's looking for you. <laughs> Jesus goes out early in the morning to get filled up again. And his disciples do what every kid does to mom, don't they? <laughs> you know, you, you, you can run moms, but we all know you can't hide, right? <laughs> Your kids will find you. And Jesus goes on to tell his followers in verse 38, who found him, hey, we, we got to go preach to the towns. This is why I came. And he got filled up. And now he's ready to go out and preach and minister. He needed time to unplug, to rest up, and then refill so he could have a, make an impact for God's kingdom throughout the day. When you're on a plan, what do they, what do they tell you to do? Or, I'm sorry, when you're on a plane, what do they tell you to do in case you lose altitude and, and the mask drop out? Well, you put the mask on you first, right? And then you quickly figure out which kid is your favorite to put the mask, and the mask on next. That's not true. There are no favorites. Uh, if any kids are watching or listening, your parents love you all equally, I promise. Uh, but, but anyway, you put the mask on yourself first. Because if you're not safe, and if you're not healthy, and you're not breathing, well, you, 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 you can't keep your kids safe, can you? Like, your kids aren't going to be in trouble. Think about the story of the Good Samaritan. I don't have time to get into the Good Samaritan today, but if you've never heard it before, uh, go to Luke chapter 10, okay? It's a very powerful, powerful story. There's a Jewish man who's left dead beside the road, and a Samaritan, a mortal enemy of the Jews, brings him to an end and pays for his bill while he's in recovery. You ever wondered what the Samaritan was doing? And why didn't he help the guy recover? He doesn't change the bandages out and get him food and that kind of thing. Jesus doesn't actually say why, but I'm willing to bet he went back to work or back to his family, or back to wherever he was going to, got recharged, and that's why he paid for the hotel. He was healthy, physically, financially, possibly spiritually, so that he could be in a position, watch this, to help others when they needed it. By the way, that's not selfish. That's wise. Every now and then you have to unplug, and you have to recharge, and you have to make sure you're healthy in a lot of different facets of your life so that you can be used to pour out and minister to others. I say no to a lot of things so I can say yes when others need it. I don't answer phone calls or text messages or emails really after about 8 o'clock every night because I need to give that time to my family. I need time to reset. You have to develop healthy margins in your life so you can recharge and have the ability to pour out and minister. That is serving wisely. Because once your cup is empty, you got nothing left to give. So we're giving strategically. We're serving wisely. And here's the last step. We're going to trust completely. And this is a hard one to do. We're going to trust God with everything we've got. He knows what we should do. He knows where we should go. He's got the results we're looking for. Here's the problem when we jump to help needy people without first consulting God. We put ourselves in a position to be somebody else's answer. And I, I think it's an insulting and dangerous thing for us to do, to think that we could be the answer to someone's situation. God has tell you that that dishonors God when he lived that way. Any activist, you are somebody else's source and not him. We can't meet every need. We're not the answer. Jesus is. We're the delivery system, the conduit. But the power rests with God. That's why social programs can't change you, right? God is the one who changes you. If you think God needs you to fix everybody else, then your view of God is too small. 
you think you're necessary, you might be short-circuiting the process that God's already working in and through because you keep rescuing someone that he has set up to experience the natural consequences of their decision-making. Follow me here. He's teaching them. He's testing them. He's shaping them. That's the principle here in Scripture of reaping and sowing. You ever heard of that before? You ever thought that there may be times that our involvement in something is actually interfering with what God is trying to do? Look at Galatians chapter 6. Don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. And those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, well, they're going to harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. This is God's principle of the harvest, that whatever you plant in your life, you'll see it come to fruition. This is taught all throughout Scripture, and there are consequences to the actions that we take or don't take that God has woven into the natural order of things. Okay, This is how God operates. We did a series on the prodigal son uh, back in September. I encourage you, if you've never heard the story before, Go watch that series. Even if you have, go watch it. Three-week series. Stories found in Luke chapter 15. And, and it illustrates this principle of reaping and sowing very well. A man's got two sons. The younger son wants to share the inheritance now. So what does the father do? Well, he, he gives him what he asks for. What happens? Well, that son blows everything. And now his father doesn't actually go looking for him. The older brother doesn't go looking for him. Nobody actually does. When the money runs out, he finds himself on the street. He's eating slop in a pig pen, which... Being Jewish gives us a big clue as to where he probably is, somewhere he shouldn't be. And Jesus, as he tells the story, you know, he says that this younger brother came to his senses in that pig pen. His sinful decisions took him to a place which made him realize that even his father's servants had it better than he did. He goes back home, and of course his dad takes him back, of course every, every dad would. One of the points of the story that we didn't touch on that series that we did in September, um, and we touched on a lot in that series, is that this father lets his son's consequences play out. Perhaps he trusted God with the consequences. Lord, he's a fool, <laughs> okay? He's doing something stupid, and I know how it's going to end up. And you, God, you know how it's going to end up too. So please, will you open his eyes so he can see what he's brought on himself? And the father makes a decision that's extremely difficult for every parent to make. But at some point, they have to make it. Because at some point, you have to make it when you're encountering people that you care about. He loved his son so much, he let him go through those God-given consequences and let them play out in his life so he could find himself in a place where he would finally come to his senses. What we need to understand is this. Rescuing somebody it's not always helping them. This isn't just for you, mom and dad, or brother and sister. This is for every one of us watching and listening right now. Look, if somebody's always late to work, if they keep missing meetings, they need to get fired. Bottom line. If they can't use an alarm clock like an adult, they got to learn a lesson the hard way, and they got to go. If they're partying hard all the time, they need to lose that scholarship. There's consequences for that behavior. If they keep running up debt with no plan to get out, and they keep turning down your help to organize finances and teach them financial you know, literacy, let them sink so they can finally come to their senses and begin to swim and learn how to handle money the right way. 
I know that sounds really cruel, especially in our society where we just don't ever want to tell it how, you know, truth, the truth. I know that sounds antithetical, too, to what a Christ follower probably is because we got to have grace, right? And we do. We give second, third, fourth chances. But there comes a time when you cannot help anymore. They have got to live that principle of sowing and reaping. Rescuing is not always helping. I had a friend who was a, a gifted athlete, smart had a good shot at their college career and their sport, but they parted way too hard. Parents got a phone call one Friday night. This person and their friends have been arrested for drinking with open beer cans in the car. So each kid gets bailed out of jail by their parents. But when my friend called his parents, they said, no, you're going to spend the weekend in jail. Tough love? huh? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty tough. But that person had to realize the consequences of their actions because rescuing is not always helping. I know you want to help. Some of you, you, you look at needy people and you look at them as like project people. Listen, people are in need, they're not projects for you to help. They're people for you to love. And ultimately one day you're going to realize you're a person in need too because at some point in our lives, we are all in need. Our job is to point people to Jesus. He can meet every need that each person has. He can do it way better than we could ever do it. We're all equally broken, and we're all equally in need of Jesus. We don't rescue people, but He does. And better yet, He takes people, and He brings transformation to their lives. God, I pray for you here today. God, I love you. And I thank you for those who are watching and listening right now. What a tough subject to talk about, because this is hitting home. Lord, I know there are parents right now who are doing everything for their kids, trying to, trying to avoid the hurt and the brokenness. Some of these kids are adult children, and they're still stepping in. I know it's hard to let go. God, help them to embrace this trust. They're going to trust you completely. Boy, that, their son or daughter has to deal with the consequences. They have to, the time is now. they got to deal with it. That sister, that brother, that, that co-worker, that employee, they got to deal with the consequences. Lord, when that time comes, may we trust you 100%. And may those people that we leave in your hands, that we hope will come to their senses, may they finally, through the grace of your Spirit, see their error, see their wrong, see their sin, and change. And be open, God, to you bringing transformation to their heart and to their soul. Father, I, I pray here today that we would not look at people as projects. We'd see people for who they are and, and love them. That God, we would not give emotionally with impulse, but God, we would give strategically. Not a handout, but give a hand up, a job, right? Help with their finances, help with their health care, whatever it might be, help with time. Just, God, help, help us to give a hand up and not a hand out to people. And may we unplug. It's so tempting to be on the go all the time. And with needing people, it's especially tempting not to pull back. We don't want to feel guilty. We don't want to feel like we're not being a good parent, a good friend, a good husband, whatever it is. But Lord, spouse, wife, it doesn't matter. We, 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 that we just don't want to pull back because we don't want that guilt. But may we realize that we have to unplug and allow you to fill us up so we can be used by you to keep pouring back out to others, to keep giving of ourselves and giving of what you've placed in us to, to help others in their need, wherever they happen to be. May we wisely serve you so that we're not running on empty all the time. Father, thank you for your son that he modeled what it meant 
to love needy people, to help them. But Lord, most importantly, we thank you that he's the answer they're looking for. He can meet every need they have. And yet he can also bring transformation and freedom and new life to the hearts who yearn for it. Thank you for what you're going to do in each and every life. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.